Hi, welcome to Peacock Politics. Before we get going, a disclaimer of sorts. I recorded this episode in the weeks just before the COVID-19 outbreak turned into this life-altering pandemic, so that's why we haven't referenced it. Now that's done, sit back and join me in learning a little bit more about how Australian politics works in a normal world. Hopefully we get back there soon, and please do all you can to stay healthy. A Podcast One production. There's a lot of disagreement and yelling and verbal malarkey that goes on between our politicians, so much so you'd swear blind they've forgotten what they're there for. But they don't all hate and distrust each other, do they? I'm Adam Peacock, and on Peacock Politics, it's time to go inside the bubble, the little commune of politicians that is Canberra, to see if it's all an act. Just how much do they actually like or dislike each other, whatever the case they're arguing for? My guest is Ed Husick. He's been a Labor member of the House of Representatives for a decade, and apparently he's got friends within his own party and on the other side. Ed, is this true? Yeah, breaking friends. I have friends within my own side of politics. <laughs> and the other side? And the other side too. My goodness. Yeah, well, when they say, the only reason I'm laughing uh, is because the common adage is, you know, if you want a friend in politics, get a dog. <laughs> uh, but I, I figure uh, you've got to be able to find ways to um, get things done here. And one of the best ways is to be able to talk with people and build up some trust and find a way to get things moving. So uh, it is something that does actually help. Okay, so being in a strange setting where emotions are amplified and, and dramatics are the norm, how do you keep your humanity and your cool? Oh, I think um, always knowing, uh, I suspect that you know, people outside the place are watching in and keeping your wits about you does help. I think also being able to move around in your community and have a yarn with people and being able to relate what we're doing here in terms of what they're doing or what they're putting up with on the ground back in your own own communities helps. And uh, I guess the best thing that helps is not being up yourself. Can I use that phrase? You can. Uh, when I say not be up yourself, I, I think it's about being conscious that, you know, you can go from rooster to feather duster really quickly. So I do think that that keeps you a bit grounded. And I've, you know, tried to realise that or, or live by that, if I can say. And, and also, um, uh, in my mind, being uh, very much aware that uh, I've had uh, an opportunity granted to me to be one of the you know one thousand plus people who've had an opportunity to serve in the House of Representatives. Uh, I, I've been able to do so coming from a background where yeah my folks came here from another country with not much uh, other than the luggage that they brought with them, and so I'm very grateful for the chance to be here. And I think that does also help in a sense, as I said a few moments ago, use that phrase, keep you grounded. I'm fascinated though by the. the- the interpersonal relationships between politicians wherever they sit on the political spectrum. So if you could break this down, what comes first, the personal relationship between you and those who are essentially your colleagues or your party's political agenda? That's a tough question because I think there is an understanding wherever you sit in politics that you know if your party makes a decision, you've got to stick with the team, right? So sometimes if you're making a or, or taking a line of attack that will go against people that you're friends with maybe on the other side, there, there is a sort of common understanding, well, that's just business, right? Uh, there is something, though, in the way that you conduct yourself that might give an edge that undermines that. So if you really go for the jugular and you're being personal uh, and you know it's obvious that what you're trying to do is hurting someone, then I think that does break things down a bit. But people do 
find a way to accommodate what you're, you know, you're part of a team, you've made a team decision, you're taking a line of attack uh, against someone. Uh, that's just, just the way it is. But, you know, again, the way you carry yourself does, does make a, make a difference in that, uh, you know, whether or not you're able to keep those friendships post that event. Have you got any examples of putting aside a, a personal relationship for the aid of your own political agenda or your party's political agenda? Oh, well, for better or worse, people know that I'm um, good friends with uh, the uh, member for Kuyong and, and treasurer of the country, Josh Frydenberg. He and I often uh, may spar on the floor of the, the parliament and uh, I'll tease him from time to time during his answers. He, you may not be aware, has a very formulaic approach uh, to the way in which he answers questions, and he does rely on facts quite a bit, and I may have nicknamed him Siri for the fact that he just <laughs> rattles off uh, fact after fact after fact, and after he's finished, I'll yell out, thanks, Siri, on the floor of the chamber. He and I get on uh, quite well and, and joke, and he'll, he'll you know, have a, have a dig back. Uh, but he and I have worked together on things particularly where we put, put uh, aside the competitiveness or the fact that we're on other parties. We are... Um, uh, very much as one on the issue of finding ways to bring communities together uh, and to make sure that the country is stronger by getting people working together. And, for example, I did something pretty rare the other week. I travelled down to Melbourne to be part of a government funding announcement that was designed to uh, tackle racism and extremist behaviour. And I stood in front of a crowd of people and I said, just know this, it's very rare that you will have someone from the opposition come to an event to congratulate the government on a funding announcement that they've made, but this is important and we should come together in the common common good uh, to promote these type of things. And, and I was quite open and upfront about welcoming that government initiative and being there, standing on the stage with them. I think that stuff's really important. How did that go down with your superiors within the Labor Party? I think people get that where these type of announcements get made, that we do put down the you know, the political clubs, as it were, and uh, it wasn't that bad. And to be honest, I've made these decisions on the basis, I think, that we prioritise country above party in that case, and, and I think this stuff's important. And we do have challenges in this day and age, Adam, where, you know, the bigger pressure is on splitting people up, um, finding those moments where we bring them back together. Uh, you know, when we do see them, we should make sure we seize those moments and, and make the best of them. When we see the news, read the news, we only hear about member A attacking member B from the other side about certain mm. things. We don't see the stories about collaboration. Is this an unusual event that, for instance, the example you gave, or is it happened more often than we actually come to realise? Well, publicly, yeah. I mean, it is pretty unusual that that happens. It was unusual that um, Josh, for instance, without giving too much away, uh, called me to to involve me in it. Now, it's unusual that someone in my position would accept it. But again, I just think we've got to play politics differently in this day and age in some instances where, you know, we can show people that we can get on and that we can put differences aside and, and maybe, just maybe be an example that, well, if these guys can do it, so can we uh, and so should we. So, you know, I think we, we do need to do that. There is, uh, you know, it's a – people – when they see Parliament think that it's just a place where things don't get done, but the reality is a lot of legislation does go through uh, both chambers, both the House and the Senate, uh, where people talk with each other, uh, and that is a much more regular occurrence to answer your question. Yeah, it does happen. People don't necessarily see it, but let's face it, um, and you'd know this from your time in the media, 
Uh, Adam, you know, a lot of the news that makes news is bad news. Mm. It just seems to be something that people take a greater interest in. They're not going to take an interest in politicians agree to get things done because they, they'll be like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's like, yeah, sun comes up in morning. Yeah, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) front page headline. Um, Just one more on your interactions with Josh Frydenberg. As you mentioned, the the Treasurer of Australia, very much on the different side of the political spectrum, the coalition side, and you're on the Labor Party side. And there was that historic moment, if you want to read it that way, especially in modern times, you you gave a speech in Parliament days after something horrible was said in the Mm. Senate regarding Mm. racism and I won't even repeat what was said by Fraser Anning, but your speech was along the lines of bringing people together and the multicultural angle and you told your family's wonderful story and at the end of it, Josh walks over and you hug Mm. in the centre of the chamber. I mean, was there any fallout from that? How was that received by both sides of politics behind closed doors? Oh, no, there was absolutely no fallout. I think people recognised that that was a moment in time uh, where we, we could demonstrate and confound those that, that think that people of our respective faith, him from the Jewish faith, me from the Islamic faith, that we don't get on. It's just rubbish. We can. We do find ways to work together. And we we are, for example, speaking up uh, against you know some of the far-right extremism that we're seeing. Others trying to whip up hate against the people of Jewish and, and Islamic faiths. You know, Josh has been uh, out there in the last 24 hours uh, raising uh, his concerns on this issue, as have I, uh, and working together uh, on that because we think it's important. As I said, that you know, we find ways to uh, be able to, you know, we recognise, you know, the nation's going to be a lot stronger if we're working together. And uh, we do see that as a personal thing, um, regardless of our politics, that is something that I think while we're fortunate enough to both be in this uh, in this parliament, we'll be working on together because it's something that's worth worth working towards and it's something worth fighting for. So after that hug, though, how soon after were you smashing him for his fiscal policies, for example? <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, I mean, there are times where you just have to do that. Like we'll have differences of opinion. I do have differences of opinion on with him on on the policies that they run and the approaches they have and. The, you know, for example, I've criticised him um, quite publicly on being obsessed with getting to a surplus given the way that the economy is going at the moment without necessarily travailing or traversing all the economic arguments and he's had a hit back at me um, claiming that that's not a responsible thing to say. I mean, we will have those arguments, but you know, I think it's always important to have perspective in politics. It's not necessarily the case that um, that always happens, but, um, uh, but where you can, you shouldn't. I, I think we try to pursue it ever seen or ever had personally, it doesn't sound like it because you're a pretty laid back kind of guy, but have you ever seen a personal fallout regarding things like that? Like people have got on, had a beer or whatever, and then gone after each other regarding a political agenda or a story? Or a- Well, I mean, the most prominent uh, example of that in my mind historically was the fallout between uh, Keating and Howard. You know, I mean, they used to actually have a an understanding and got on quite well, but... Um, you know, Keating took, uh, Paul Keating took offence at the fact that some personal attacks were levelled at him by people within the coalition at the time that Howard was leading them back in the 80s and he believed that Howard hadn't done enough to uh, rein that type of, uh, what he thought, grubby attack, uh, those those type of grubby attacks in. And uh, they fell out um, famously over that and then um, it just got, got more heated over time. So, you know, sometimes when people think that something personal is being done against them, they will you know, uh, take offence, um, you know, and it is unfortunate to see. It's hard to know absolutely everyone across 
both chambers, both the Senate and also the House of Representatives, but eventually you, you bump into someone or you, you get to know someone. But do you base how you receive that person on how you think they are politically or maybe a speech that they've given before you've got to know them or do you let yourself try and get to know the person first and then go from there? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a bit of both. Like I watch how someone conducts themselves in the chamber or in, in media interviews, discussions like this, and in terms of your own personal interactions with them. I've subscribed to this personal view that I don't let my friends work out who my other friends should be. You know, you take it on your own individual uh, experience with people. And I've always thought if people are honestly pursuing what they believe uh, is honestly good for people uh, and trying to help people uh, out, then then do that, you know. I uh, uh, lost a friend through the course of this month um, in Paul Shetler and... Um, he used to be the head of the Digital Transformation Agency brought in by Malcolm Turnbull. He suffered a terrible heart attack. Um, a bloke who was, as, in my view, as fit as a bull and just suddenly was taken away from us. And I, I said to people, the thing about Paul is that he and I disagreed with each other massively when we first met. But I, what I admired in him is that he was genuine about um, thinking that the public service could work better for the public in the way that he, he did things. And I was like, well, okay, if that's the way this bloke is, then I'll give that bloke a chance. And he's, his politics and my politics were completely different. But, you know, I think that, um, you, you know, while you can believe passionately, uh, in the, in your politics and you can believe passionately in your ideas, we are not, uh, people who monopolize or, or have a monopoly on good ideas ourselves. We should be open to learning and listening to others and, and um, and seeing what we can do to, you know, in those instances where we can work together to do so. But I'm not, in saying these things, Adam, I'm not naive. Like, there will be big differences. Politics is competitive. Um, winning an election is about being able to change the direction of a country in a, in a way that you believe will put it in a better place. And it is a tough, tough game. And sometimes you just cannot make that happen. But where you can, you should. Do you go after politicians you don't like? more or harder yeah to be honest like I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna um a sugarcoat it yeah sometimes i do and the thing that drives me is if i believe that you know racism and uh people who want to divide on the grounds of that i, I really just can't abide and i i do take a much tougher line uh, on that because i just think you're not strong if you're trying to divide people on racial grounds you, you're um really displaying your weakness it's just one thing that for me personally, I just can't tolerate. I'm going to get you to drop a couple of names that I've got a fair idea. There's a couple in the Senate that you're thinking of right here. No, I, look, I, you know, those people, they, um, their actions speak louder. Um, but having said that, you know, you, you referred to that incident uh, that brought Josh and I together to on the same platform for the, you know, what we believe was the right thing for the country. There are a lot more people that in this place believe in that and think that's worth fighting for. And I think that's the good thing about our Australian parliament. Yeah, I mean, those people who said those things, like a, a Fraser Anning or I'll drop the name, Pauline Hanson, for instance, do you go to any length whatsoever or um, to engage yourself on a personal level with those people and, and other people in your party who think along the similar lines as yours or indeed the coalition along similar lines as you or they kind of just like avoid at all costs? I don't have much reason because I'm in the House to interact with... 
members of One Nation. So I, uh, you know, that that's not there. But I, I'll I'll take my hat off to someone right now that I thought, you know, went through their own uh, journey, and that was Jackie Lambie, who had taken a particular view about people of the Islamic faith when she was, uh, you know, uh, elected early on. But she's actually said, you know, look, I've had time to think about things, and I've met with people and talked with people, and and I recognise that, you know, my views have have got to evolve and change. And I just think, you know, someone who's got the courage to do that, I have huge admiration for, and I, and I do admire uh, Jackie Lambie for that. I, you know, have enormous respect for some of the stuff that she said uh, publicly. Again, I, I haven't had a chance to see it because, you know, Parliament House, when you get down here in Canberra, people don't appreciate how big this, this bloody building is. <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, you know, if I had the opportunity to say it to her face, I would. And I guess I'm trying to sort of communicate that through your podcast. Yeah. Well, hopefully she's listening. It, it just sounds like if you're going to say that Canberra is an asylum, it sounds like the asylum is curing people in some way, shape or form, <laughs> if you put it people that way. People have to be willing to do it too, though. Like we yeah, all, yeah. regardless of our walk of life, we all have to be prepared to do it. What behaviour do you see in Parliament that really, really infuriates you? A type of behaviour that might be more prevalent now than, say, when you first came into Parliament? Yeah, I think I, I sort of alluded to it earlier, really wanting to find a way to divide people um, on pretty weak grounds. That 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 gets me more than than anything else. So I don't... I get that politics, you know, people will say things that are designed to get a rise out of you, and I, I understand that, and I just see through a lot of that stuff, but... Um, singling people out on a characteristic, be it race, religion, gender, you know, I think um, that's pretty rough. You do wonder about the impact of social media and whether or not there's stuff that takes off, particularly via Twitter, uh, that gets, um, uh, for instance, picked up during the course of question time. There have been some parliamentarians who thought that we shouldn't use Twitter uh, while uh, question time's happening. What's it like, though, on a personal level when... The politicians you actually like personally, either inside your own party or um, on the other side, but they actually it comes to pass that they're pretty inept at what they're trying to do. Yes, and your question is. <laughs> I, one thing I've learned in this game is to make sure you've heard the question clearly. <laughs> and the question is, how do you process that? How do you deal with that? Oh, it's a mix of things. I mean, depending on what they've done, like in some cases, I mean, if it's not uh, something really bad that they've done, but they've made a stuff up. You, you, yeah, you do feel for them, but for others where they have done something wrong, it's, um, you know, it makes it pretty hard to look at them the same way again. Um, again, it's not anything really different to what people would feel in any other circumstance, either at work or say part of a sporting club or whatever. Um, and, and they feel that way. It, it does make it, you know, you just, you just process it in the same way. When a leadership spill happens, and there's been a few of those over the last decade or so, and oh, yeah. you've walked into into politics when it's all been happening, how does that change the dynamic on a personal level inside a party when you have to split off? That is way tougher. Uh, when I got elected in 2010, I walked right in the middle of the Rudd-Gillard Wars, uh, as I think it's the best way to describe it, mm -hmm. and that uh, that was very difficult. If I had my time again, I, I don't think I would have been as prominent and upfront about you know, uh, picking sides and championing sides and all that type of stuff. Um, you do learn that, you know, that type of stuff can be dealt with in different ways. And I had personal falling out with people and I probably paid a professional price for uh, being so, um, 
you know, open and upfront. I, I, yeah, and I, I have tried to make it the case that people will know what they get with me. You know, either people watching me from the outside or people that I deal with. I'm quite, I try to be quite upfront, but that doesn't really work out so well in politics. Um, so it has been a bit, bit, uh, it has been tricky to, to navigate and I've seen people fall out, friendships fall out, people move out of houses that they've shared or rent or accommodation that they've had. It is sad to see that happen. So that's from within. That's, um, mm. that is especially hard. I mean, it's difficult in politics, I'd say, to, to, to weigh up the fact that you know you're right about something and someone else thinks that they're equally as right mm. about something. So when it happens from within with people that you're meant to be going in the same direction with, it can combust. Yeah. But I'm, look, um, uh, how can I put it? I'm an idiot, right? <laughs> in that, Well, we all are in, in some way, shape or form. Well, I mean, I could have climbed the greasy pole a lot quicker, like if I just, you know, not done the things. Like I, I find it hard if I don't believe in something or if I've, um, I, I, I've in leadership cases, like I'll make sure I stick by someone that I think is stuck by me. I, I could have easily climbed the, the greasy pole not doing that. But... I have, and it's, and I do feel, in many respects, I've I've paid a price for that. In, and I I'm also very upfront with you in saying that you know I probably could have handled things differently, and and my conduct might, might have made it easier to get back on track a lot quicker. But I'll, if I believe in something or I think something has to be done, I'll do it. And you know, I've done it even in the last twelve months post election, uh, where I think things have had to be done, and at a professional, on a professional basis, personally, like it sent me back, but. You know, you've um, ultimately you, you need to be able to look at the way that you've conducted yourself and and go, well, yeah, I did the right thing there, and um, and be your own judge on that that type of stuff. But it does make it hard in politics because that doesn't really happen that often. What about when things like that happen on the other side of politics, and you're kind of in the viewing gallery? How do you coexist with the the people that you know on the other side? Say with all those coalition leadership spills that have happened more recently and going back a few years now, they've basically duplicated what happened with the Labor Party uh, in the last decade. How do you view that? Do you stay out of it or do you start chucking your two cents worth in with the people that you talk to on that side? Well, on one level, you empathise because, you know, just based on what I was saying a few moments ago, what they're going through. So you you do understand that. Uh, What got me is that the other side of politics said that they didn't want to repeat what we did. They made a big thing to the public, they said, you know, what the Labor Party's gone through, this is a disgrace, the soap opera has to end, we're going to put an end to it, there'll be stable government. And then they went through three leadership changes. <laughs> and it was just stunning to see. Um, but I think politics has been turned on its head in the last 12 months because there was white-hot anger when they went through the, the Turnbull-Morrison change and then we went through an election that we lost the unlosable election. So I, I think I do feel in part that the maybe the rules have been rewritten. I, I don't know. How does it work socially in Canberra? So day's done and you go out to a restaurant. Surely no one cooks. No one could be bothered to cook after the day that you have to put up with in Australian politics. So you go out to dinner and you, you're bumping into these people that you, you're working with, arguing with, agreeing with. Take us inside that little uh, experience. Uh, so on a number of levels. One, there's a lot of stuff that happens work-wise. There'll be groups that come in that want to be able to catch up with you. There are a lot of parliamentary, I mean, there's so many parliamentary friendship groups. I'm surprised there's not a parliamentary friends of bacteria group in this place. Um, but there are a lot of different events that happen. So you get swept up with those, especially if you're a minister or a shadow minister and there's an expectation you'll turn up 
Um, I'm good mates with Chris Bowen. He told me that yesterday as the Shadow Minister for Health, he went to six different events that he spoke at. Um, the last one that we both were at, he spoke at an event, um, the Parliamentary Friends of Organ Donation, which is designed to lift awareness about the importance of organ donation in saving lives. And uh, he was at that, and it was a really tough event. Um, and you'll, you'll have some of that, right? So there'll be official things that are, that, that'll happen. But the other part of your question, I suspect, was to find out, well, what happens behind the scenes? Do, do people catch up? Um, there are some people that will just call it a night and, and have an early night and stay in, but there'll be a lot of times that you socialise with colleagues. And I think this, because you were asking me earlier about friendships across the political divide, mm. I have to say it's very rare that you'll see people from other sides of the political um, divide go out to dinner together. Yep. That's pretty telling. Uh, normally you'll just stick to your own tribe, as it were, uh, and catch up with people that way, or you might catch up with journos uh, and talk and, you know, sort of process the events of the day, week, month or whatever. Uh, but, you know, like I uh, in Canberra uh, share, like <laughs> I have this thing, we call it the frat house. Uh, Chris Bow and Jason Clare and I always stay in the same place. And um, uh, we may go off to our own thing, but then come back, uh, at the end of the day and have a chat, um, or we'll go out to, together for dinner, for mm. a feed. And there's, you know, in particular one Chinese restaurant in Canberra that we love going to, um, that we'll, we've, we go there so often we've nicknamed it the Staff Caf and, <laughs> and hang out there, uh, and have a good meal and talk through stuff, you know. So you, you do find ways and it is good to be able to, to find ways to, um, uh, to spend that time together just to be able to process what's going on. Are there designated restaurants or pubs or uh, watering holes that are either like designated coalition ones and designated Labor ones, or is it just a free for all? <laughs> well, like in West Side Story. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, n- so uh, closer to Parliament, so we're the sort of make up the, there's a sort of North and South Canberra, and Parliament's sort of more towards the South. And there are some places around Marnica and Kingston. The, these suburbs that are close to Parliament House where a lot of, you'll find a lot of pollies or staffers or journos hang out. Um, I've, uh, and through, yeah, some of the stuff I was saying earlier that, you know, we'll end up in the north of Canberra because sometimes it's just good not to have to be, you know, stuck, you know, people will, will go, oh, this person's caught up with that person and they're talking to this journo and all that. And, and sometimes you just want to sidestep all that garbage. Sometimes it's just good to catch up with people to have a good feed at the end of the day. Um, without necessarily having all those prying eyes. Hmm. And so, you know, I find myself normally at the at the north side of Canberra that has a, a number of really great restaurants, either those Chinese restaurants or um, the other place I love going to is called, this is really bad, and please don't judge me for the nutritional value, it's called Grease Monkey, <laughs> and they make a hell of a hamburger and especially a great brisket burger. <laughs> Sounds like you're really enamoured with life down there in Canberra. Like you, you talk to some politicians, they can't wait to get out of the joint, but you've you've made the best of, of what you got in front of you. But just on the, the relationship, and I'll use it as an example again, I'll come back to it with, with Josh. So do you socialise with someone like that who you obviously get on with or you keep it all separate? No, I think you keep it separate and uh, it's only, you know, sometimes stuff will happen randomly, like you'll turn up to a restaurant, maybe someone will be there that you get on with from the other side of politics and they say, oh, well, come and join us and you will, right? So there will be stuff that happens sporadically like that, but uh, that that is rare. I call politics sport without a ball. Uh, there is a fair bit of actual sport played 
between politicians. Is that yeah. one way that you kind of get on each other's level? Yeah, and it uh, well, for example, um, uh, since I've got here, I, I'm a basketball tragic. I enjoy playing and watching the game. Uh, started with a few people where we we play games uh, every Tuesday morning, and then it's grown. Um, and some people would see it on social media and messages and say, "Can we play?" And we have an open court down here at the House of Reps. And uh, we've also got people from all sides of politics playing. You know, like we've had um, Zed Seselja, who's a senator here in Canberra, will play. Um, uh, sometimes Matt Canavan, sometimes Josh Frydenberg, uh, Michael Suka. Uh, he's now the uh, assistant treasurer um, from the Liberal side. Um, a, a lot of Labor MPs play, and we'll we've now got to the point where we'll play full court. Uh, and you'll have the banter that, that'll happen during a game and before and after. Uh, and it's, um, it's really good. And the good thing about basketball is that it can bring people together. You know, uh, sometimes it's hard. Rugby will just attract all the blokes hmm. and sorry to say it, but netball will just attract, um, female MPs and staffers and journos. But basketball has been able to bring, um, people together, both men and women playing on the same court. And it's been great. Um, and sometimes you do. I mean, you don't necessarily talk politics. You might rib each other and talk stuff through, but it does, you know, you'll see sometimes people wander off talking to each other about issues of the day and um, it does build bridges. The flip side, though, if you shoot a three over Matt Canavan, for instance, <laughs> do you start sledging him about Adani or...? Uh, he's actually sent me shots of him, uh, shooting, uh, elsewhere, shooting a three pointer. And I've had to send, send one back to him, um, just to show him that I can do it without telling him necessarily, I might've had 10 goes at it, but we will, um, do that type of thing. From a public perspective, people might look at that and go, well, are they actually down there to have a good time or are they actually down there to, to run the country? But this yeah. actually helps in the running of the country. And, and people do say that, you know, they'll go. You're not down there to play sport. The sport that happens is at like 7 a.m. Mm. I will play basketball at 7 a.m. Others will do the same. At the moment, they're going through the Polly's V Press uh, routine of, of having those sides play. We actually declined to do that because we said it gets too aggro and the cameras are there and everyone feels like the <laughs> pressure's amped up and we've gone, nah, we're not interested in that. But you've seen rugby, tennis, all that, um, and it all happens before work and it's all in, in good spirit. And it does bring people together and it is playing an important role. And um, there is some great value to it, you know. But some people, you know, they, they do take, you know, people watch politics and they do take it very, very seriously. Do personal relationships help or hinder progress politically in Australia? Uh, I think it's important that you be able to find some of those, that those personal relationships do make things happen and that there's a professional respect as well. Uh, on tricky issues. Sometimes things will get heated and you feel very strongly about certain things that make it difficult. But I do think that that, that is important. But again, it's nothing different. Most people who would be listening to this podcast when they relate this to their own lives, their own workplaces or clubs or social settings or whatever, know that you know, you've um, got to be able to balance things out in particular ways um, and get things done. And you've got to be able to work with the people that you're dealing with on a, on a respectful basis, um, stuff like that does work out, and it's the same here. And when it comes down to it, are the, the two main parties, they're, they're the ones that are driving Australian politics on on the whole, are the two main parties that far apart in terms of how you actually think Australia should be? Uh, yes and no, I think. Um, 
you know, I, th- I think the big divider is climate change, right? That's the most difficult issue to get the parties to agree on. So there are some big issues where there, where there are big differences. Yeah, and that, that's back to the, the whole premise of this particular um, discussion is so you've got a massive issue like that and then someone that you actually like has got a totally different view. I'm just fascinated the the human interaction that, that takes place of, of how you end up not throttling each other's throats over, <laughs> over an issue like that. Uh, I think uh, when you first come in, you feel really fired up and you want to be able to make, make a mark. I certainly did it in my first term and I've seen it with people who've been, uh, you know, when I've entered in my second and subsequent terms, seen it with new people that get elected. Uh, and there does take a bit of time, Adam, for your people to find their uh, rhythm, their their pace, and um, they'll work that out on their own. You know, and some people will say, you know, just chill. You don't have to really uh, run at things uh, a million miles an hour. But ultimately, you know, people have got to find their own their own groove, right? They they got to work things out for themselves, and you've got to let them do that, just like we have ourselves. Well, Ed, thanks so much for your time on Peacock Politics. Pleasure. Best of luck trying to get everything through and all those stories that we don't read about, may they long continue. And uh, on a personal level, hope you make some friends down there. Could be a tough place sometimes. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'll, uh, I think I'm, I'm doing all right, my friend. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you. Peacock Politics was presented by me, Adam Peacock, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Tina Matilov. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. Theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer. Executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, go to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or search Peacock Politics on Apple Podcasts.